Hey everyone, it's Jasmine. Welcome back to the Female Founder World Podcast. My guest on the show today is Erin Deering. She's the co-founder of a swimwear brand called Triangle. And she became one of only eight women on the BRW Young Rich list just three years after she started the company. Reports pinned her net worth at the time somewhere around $36 million. And she just started the business in the most accidental, wild way. She was on a date with this guy. It was their second date. They were going to the beach and she could not find a bikini that she wanted to wear. And so he said, hey, let's start a swimwear company together. So how does someone go from that situation and working a job in retail to running one of the most hyped swimwear brands in the world? And what are the steps to get there? And then what happens when you eventually leave that brand and that relationship? What happens to your sense of self? In this interview, I sat down with Erin and we talk about the absolute cult hit that is Triangle and all of the lessons she wants you and other female founders and brand builders to know today. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to tell someone. The number one rule around here is no gatekeeping. So share this with a friend, share it on your Instagram stories and tag at Female Founder World. Okay, let's get into the chat. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Erin, welcome to the show. Hi, Jasmine. I'm so excited to actually finally be on and in person. Yeah, I feel like this has been a long time coming. We've been in each other's DMs yes. since like before the podcast started. Yes. And I saw that you were in New York and I was like, we have to do this in person. I want to actually meet you and do this face to face. I know. I know. Well, thank you. And I know that you, I mean, you've just had a little baby. So <laughs> I mean, takes... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a wild time leaving the house. <laughs> and I, I was messaging you before the show, but like leaving the house without him is 11 weeks now. Yeah. And I feel like I'm missing a limb. Like it feels like I've mm. forgotten. Mm. forgotten something and that yeah. must just be like a biological thing it is you know yeah what I mean? you, you feel like someone's gonna tap you on the shoulder and be like ma'am yes. uh you left your baby yes <laughs> yes like, oh yeah i'm on the subway and i'm like oh no i've only got one bag i <laughs> like yeah you're like oh shit i left the nappies at home and then you're like no no i don't need them I don't need them yeah i know and I even even like setting a time to meet people because it's hard because like you don't know like they're gonna have a poo explosion before totally. you leave or like they're gonna be hungry even though you just fed them i and know you'll be like oh <gasps> And he's like taking, I mean, God, sorry, everyone listening. I'm on a yeah. tangent. Everyone's so sick of like listening to me talk about my baby. Not the mums though. We're like, no, whoa, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I am breastfeeding and he's still feeding every three hours. And yes. he's taken a bottle a couple of times, but it's pretty hit and miss. Yeah. Like sometimes he just doesn't want it. And so I've yeah. left him with my husband just hoping he doesn't starve, you know? Yeah, 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 he won't. No, I used to get the message from Craig, with, especially with Oscar, because I breastfed him for two years and no bottle. He didn't take a bottle. And mm. so like I'd be out and I'd be rushing around trying to do my things and I'd get that inevitable text from Craig going, I think Oscar's hungry. Yeah. And I knew that that meant that he was screaming yeah. his head off. But, like, Craig's trying to let me just have my time. Yes. He's trying to let me just have my little moment. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, okay. I got and, then you, and then you start like, to get the yeah. sweats and you're like, i got to get home right now. And they're fine. The babies are fine. Of course they're fine. <laughs> but it is such a biological thing. Okay, anyway, I'm okay, gonna, let's yeah. talk about business. That's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could literally, this is a different podcast. <laughs> we could talk about that all day. I know, truly. Um. Okay, triangle. Yeah. So yeah. I often before we do these podcast, I'll jump into our online female founder world community. And I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm interviewing this founder. Do you guys have any questions for her? What do you want me to talk about? And when I said I was talking to you, people were really, really excited. Aww. And there was one one person um, jumped in there and she was like, oh my God, the chokehold that Triangle had on me <laughs> in college. <laughs> that seems to be a common thing here in the States, more so. I, I think because I was like living in Bondi when Triangle came out, 
for some reason, I don't think I realized the global nature of what you had built and the cult following behind this brand. Globally. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were in we were in Hong Kong and then in Monaco, so we were even further removed from mm. anything like that. Like we had no idea. And then we'd come to the states, so we'd come to New York, and so like no one, we had no idea. And so we were getting that information from Australia saying you guys are actually really and we're seeing the sales come through so yeah. you were popular but to know that it was more like a movement yeah than just selling bikinis that was the thing that I think only we realized almost like after the fact a little more because we were in it so when you're in it you can't really like see through it we're going to yeah. talk about all of that and how yes. to build that cult following and the yeah. branding all of those pieces but I the first thing I want to talk about I've heard you call yourself an accidental yeah. entrepreneur like yeah. what is that <laughs> so I was like had this realization only a couple of weeks ago really because Craig and I started the business together and he was 10 years older he'd had a business he'd had I was 27 so my experience in the workplace was pretty limited I kind of was like I'm just going to get in and I'm going to get promoted I'm going to climb the ladder that way so then when Craig suggested we start a business on that kind of second date I was like why not like that sounds fine and easy and people do it all the time Can't they have been on a date like that yeah, yeah it was a really <laughs> insane second date it was like oh okay um and and yeah and so I kind of got thrown into it he knew what to do so he took me along and I learned everything so I started off as this girl that just had a job and ended up as the founder co-founder of this global business mm accidentally in a way because I always I feel like if I hadn't met Craig and gone through that process I would have eventually got there because I had that ambition mm. and I would have seen other people doing it and going I want that too but because I wasn't there yet I was just literally thrown in and I was like had to learn everything really really fast and work everything out and we were in Hong Kong on our own and it was online which was still a new kind of space and it was just and then Instagram which had never been for businesses before so it was a lot of accidental like you know, errors and mistakes and learning. And then now I have all these experiences, but I still was never someone in the start that would actually say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm very entrepreneurial. It was not, it was not in my, it was not in my resume. <laughs> I know that the business took off fast. I remember just kind of, it, it didn't exist. And then all of a sudden everyone on Bondo Beach was wearing these, yes. like neoprene Yeah, the bikinis. neoprene black binding. Yes. Yep, I had them. <laughs> How yeah. fast? Like talk me yeah. through what, what life was like for you then. Yeah, so we launched our first, like we started in, well, actually we started the idea of the business at the end of 2011. And then obviously, you know, once you have an idea, it takes a very long time usually to, and we felt like we were working really quickly, but we didn't actually move to Hong Kong to sort of think we were going to start the business till mid 2012. Mm. Then we didn't, and then we had a few months off because we were trying to sort of assimilate into Hong Kong, I guess. And we were a bit like, oh, there's a lot going on here. And then we had our first sale online in 2013. So we launched the website, we had our first sale and we kind of went from there. So in that respect, you know, because I, I actually am writing a book, which I just finished, which has been... Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Which is one of those things, I'm an accidental author. Yeah. Because I was like, <laughs> this can't be that hard. Oh, my God. It's like I've written 65,000 words. It's a whole book, every word. It's been... But it's been a real journey. You wrote it yourself. A lot of founders yes. end up getting a ghostwriter. No, I was really... Well, Good actually, my publisher, because I... I, I think along the line somewhere along the lines I said I actually love writing and I used to be quite good at it because mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. And so she took that as, oh, you can write the book yeah. then. I was like, sure. Ooh. So I've written it all myself every word. Um, but during that, I've been able to relive that timeline and realise that we actually, so we it was January 2013, we were, you know, it was sort of in 
like even June, July, that year that we were actually getting pretty good traction. We weren't going, you know, we didn't have any of that. That crazy success started probably a year after that, but we were very steadily growing already at that point. Sort of, you know, we launched with, you get one or two sales a week, you know, and we we're like, well, that's good. We always saw growth. I think that's a really important thing is that even if it really was tiny, tiny growth, we always were growing. Like it would be one or two a week to three or four a week to maybe when someone posted on Instagram, we got like two sales off the back of that because it was for those styles. And you just saw things working, but very slowly because it was, you know, every week felt like a one extra sale or two extra sales. So, but that was about six months of that. And then it kind of started to kick into gear. Like we were here in New York in September 2013 paying for our own trip to come here as a holiday with a few friends, which was kind of a really big step for us. But we were able to go, I mean, we still worked every day. Yeah. But we were able to go, we're actually doing well enough here to do something for ourselves. Um, but that was sort of, you know, nine months of insanely – and we almost didn't go on that trip too because we had something happen with Factory and we were like maybe we shouldn't go. And It's so cool to hear you talk about those first six months. I think mm. a lot of people, you know, they get started and they kind of expect they're going to have this big launch. Yeah. And it can be really disheartening if you're like, oh, like three sales. Yeah. You know, or, oh, I've only done five more sales in last week. And then you kind of see – you see the success stories of other founders at the finish line <laughs> yeah. and hearing that for a business like Triangle, that's what the start sounded like. I think yeah. it's very like reassuring. Yeah. People. I mean, we when you zoom out, it looks like an overnight success yes. because you go in three years, we were, you know, we had 3 million followers from sort of 500. And so when you zoom out, you're like, oh my God. And it is impressive. But when you zoom in, it really was very slow growth at the start, but growth is growth. And mm. I feel like when you have that growth, no matter what it is, as long as you are getting that, even if sometimes you go up and then back a little and then up again, it's still growth. And it still means that you're doing something and to just like be super hyper aware of that. But it's true. Everyone wants a big launch. And the thing is as well is if you get a big launch, that's not going to necessarily mean that it's going to be continued growth. Like sometimes a big launch can actually be a real false economy and you might have done this great launch plan and then afterwards you're like, well, what do I do now? Because everyone's already burnt out. You put your best stuff out there and you have no plan after launch. Yeah. That's also, that's, I reckon that's more risky than launching small and like it's safer to launch small because you can test things out that way and you don't have all these eyes on you, you know. What do you think happened at six months that really flipped the switch and turned things up? Oh, it wasn't like, it wasn't anything, you know, because we had obviously the Kendall Jenner story, but that was a year later. That was 2014. Okay, tell people about the Kendall Jenner okay, story. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> we actually went a little viral on TikTok, which was hilarious because I'm not really on TikTok and people were like, you're going viral. And I'm like, I think everyone goes viral there at some point. I don't think it means anything. <laughs> but I was on a podcast and I told this story. So we so we were really big on gifting and that was our big strategy on Instagram. We were really fortunate to ride the Instagram wave. They were realizing as their own company that they could utilize their platform with businesses. They could sort of, you know, help brands grow. So we kind of rode off that because we were like, this is like amazing and, you know, like why not? And rode that wave. So that kind of, that was sort of the initial growth. And then what happened with, with Kendall is it was sort of like, it would have been early months of 2014 and we were just picking big people to gift to. We, were, we, we had a bit of traction so we were starting to look at, you know, bigger names, bigger models, bigger influencers, bigger anyone and we were like who was the biggest 
sort of influencer in the world and it was any of the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. But we honed in on Kendall because she was just more our vibe. So we were very big at Triangle, even though we were seeking out big people and big followings, we still wanted girls that were aligned with us. And Kendall was always in bikinis. She was young. She was like 16 back Mm -hmm. then. And she was always in bikinis, being sporty, being active, had a real Aussie vibe for an American girl. And so we were like, and she she was like a triangle girl. Like she was, you know, lean and athletic and the Kardashian, they had like the big boobs and big bums. And that wasn't, we weren't familiar with that space yet. And our bikinis, neoprene doesn't have that much give. So it wasn't going to suit that body type as much anyway. So we were like, she's the one, she's the one. So we knew we couldn't just reach out to her because we didn't have an email. We didn't want to go through any agent or anyone because then you have to pay. So we were like, let's gift all of her friends instead. And we were already That's doing fine. this strategy a bit because, and it wasn't, le- we were gifting groups of friends, but we weren't, we weren't leaving anyone out. This was the first time we grou- we gifted a group of friends and left one of them out on purpose. <laughs> and so we left Kendall out hoping, just like a crazy, pl- this is one of those, we always had so many crazy plans like this that most didn't eventuate. But this one we were like, okay, let's gift. There's like five, you know, and we went through and we found the friends. Like who are her besties with. that are going to give her FOMO? Exactly. And you know what? Two of, two of them are actually women that we know very well now: Haley Bieber, back then Haley Baldwin, and Bella Hadid. But they were not. They were just like little Cali girls back then. They were they were not who they are now. So we were already gifting them. They were already triangle girls. And if you go way, way, way back, you'll see photos of both of them pre any fame on our page. And so we gifted them and there were a few other girls. Anyway, so that all happened. And I don't even kind of remember how long it would have been maybe a week, a couple of weeks. Cause obviously they get the bikinis and they, they probably all wore them together or whatever. Yep. And they're like, you know, at the pool. I'm picturing them like, yeah, mm-hmm, literally by, by one of their in pools. Malibu somewhere. Yeah. And Kendall's <laughs> like, what are these? And, and they would have always been like, we got these gifts. And she's thinking, well, I'm, I'm actually famous here. Why am I not getting one? And you know what? It wasn't that we were, it really was also that we just couldn't get to her anyway. Like we couldn't comment on her Instagram because DMs weren't back weren't yeah. around them. We couldn't comment. Like everyone was. She was famous. So there was no way to even get them to her. So it was, it, even though it was sneaky, it was actually genuinely the truth. Anyway, so I woke up one morning and as usual, I woke up in bed in Hong Kong and I pulled the I pulled the laptop onto my onto my lap and I had an email from Kendall or from an from an email address that was like Kenny, Kenny Killer. So I can't remember what it was. It was a Gmail and I just knew straight away it was her. Cause it was just one of those like oh, random emails wow. and I and it said, like, hey, I don't know, I can't find the email, which hurts my whole soul. <laughs> I've lost it. And it was like, hey, like a lot of my friends have these bikinis. They're so cool. Am I able to get some too? And it was like, oh, my God, that worked. worked. Oh, my God. that worked. And I swear to God, that was our launch into the States, really, because she tweeted. She didn't even put it on Instagram. She put it on her Twitter, which I think she linked to her Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she had 5 million followers on her Twitter and however many on Instagram. And that was really, that was enough because it was already on these other girls too. So it wasn't like it was nowhere, but it was like all these little, little, tiny little bits of social proof and then the big fish. And everyone was like, okay, this is a brand we need to be wearing because everyone's wearing it. So once you have a moment like that and it's going to catapult you into the next level, what do you do to continue building that momentum? Like we, I, I remember seeing you guys in 
I, I mean, I was a fashion editor then. I wrote about Triangle all the time. Yes. So I saw a lot of press. What were you doing to kind of keep that momentum going? Yeah, so it was still gifting. That was the main, main strategy. We weren't using really – we kind of dabbled with a bit of PR only really in the States. We had – we sort of would like tap into an agency and then tap out because it was like, ah, like not really – like it was hard to see the results. We were getting such good return on Instagram. Mm. So we were like couldn't see that when we were paying these retainers and couldn't see the returns. We were doing a bit of that. But mainly it was gifting. Mm. Mainly it was, you know, we were still, even when try, when it when it like flipped and when we went from be, being this brand that reached out to everyone and when it flipped to everyone reaching out to us, we were still gifting. Like we were still pushing that sentiment of building this Triangle Girls community and giving these girls bikinis. So, like, we would be gifting and we were still gifting micro-influencers even when we were quite a well-known business. And they would they would probably already have bought Triangle and then they were suddenly getting that, they got, like, the golden email or the golden DM or the golden comment being like, hey, it's Erin from Triangle or by then we'd hired a few people, you know, hey, it's Triangle, we'd love to send you a pair. And so it turned from actually even being gifting these girls that didn't know us to almost just like, are you lucky enough to have gotten yeah. a free bikini? So it kind of went from gifting to to, to like, or went from this strategy to just gifting. Yeah. Like it was like, and these girls were like, oh my God, I've been like acknowledged by mm-hmm. the holy grail that is triangle. Mm-hmm. And that, so we just kept doing that. And I don't know, because I exited five years ago, we were still doing gifting up until like up until like at the time I left, and we had this fully global, very steady business. We never stopped the gifting during my time there because that sentiment always. Wa- I wanted to continue that because it was like it was kind of like a very small version of like the golden ticket. It was like I got one. I'm a triangle girl because <laughs> it meant if you got that offer, you were a triangle girl. When you think about the growth of the business and all of the traction that you got, and, it, and I can see how much work that you put in there. Yeah. But it's an amazing success story. Yes. How much of it do you think is magic and fairy dust and just triangle with something really special and how much do you think is replicable for people now? Yeah, look, I always I do think about this a lot. I think definitely, you know, luck, timing, magic is part of it and it was just one of those things. Everything worked for us in that time. You know, we Instagram and the fact that gifting wasn't really ever done. Everyone thought that you had to like ask for something in return. And so we did all these things, you know, online was still kind of new and it was still a bit like, oh, I can buy like from my laptop on my bed. So like everything was that. That's very hard to replicate those things today. But things that I still think are replicable are like the customer centric behavior and the persistence of different ideas and knowing that a lot of them won't work and just testing things, just testing things small. You know, that was Craig's really big thing was like small tests all the time to just see what people liked. And even a lot of that was just for our own understanding of like different, of like what people didn't want or what like we weren't going to do in terms of colours or fabrics or whatever it was. But really for me, the thing that I think is is that people lose so easily that can be so like easily brought back in is customer centric behavior. And Triangle was really built around that. Like I always viewed the customer as number one and everything I did was with them in so like any, even the gifting, that's why I didn't want to just go for the big fish all the time because I wanted every girl to feel like it's just a matter of time before she might get 
that mm-hmm. email and have that feeling of like, oh, yay. And it wasn't just like we were picking girls that were pretty. Like it was like just girls that that looked like they were enjoying themselves on social media. And so we wanted to acknowledge that and be like, thanks for this, like for sharing the way that you do. It's really nice and aligned with us. Here's a bikini. So that was always customer-centric thought process. And everything we did had that in the forefront of my mind, which I think so many brands don't do because they get lost in everything else they're trying to do. But if you really, really step into that and think about that from that place of thinking what the customer wants and how they want it and blah, blah, blah. That's that's something that I think is really replicable that will result in perhaps like slower success. But I really do think it ends up because you it, you can't go wrong if you're always listening to what they want. Yeah. I love what you're saying there about testing and learning and just yeah. trying new things because there is something about, I just, I feel like a lot of the people that we talk to in the community sometimes can get quite disheartened. They're like, I missed the Instagram boat. Now I feel like I've missed the TikTok boat. Like I haven't been quick enough yeah. to get on these platforms. And I'm, I, I, I challenge that with, okay, well, well what's the next thing? Because there is always something else that's out there that yeah. is going, like there is something that people haven't discovered yet that's going to work. And you need to be the one who's testing and trying it and experimenting to be the one that's the first riding that wave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's not just luck that people end up on these platforms. There's something else behind There's it. There's something else. And I think a lot of it is grit and determination yeah. and facing failure and walking through it mm. to the other side, you know, because like that's, that's the truth of it. Like most people are like, I... I'm scared to try this because it might not work. So they don't try it. So they don't know if it's not going to work and they didn't learn a lesson from it not working. So it's like that's I think the difference between successful businesses and successful people and not so successful is that like just just like doing it, you know. I love this like idea of the founder who – doesn't have an MBA and doesn't have a business background yeah. and who gets thrown in the deep end and learns on the job and makes a real go of it. And that's exactly what you did. I love this idea of you yeah. just like building this multi-million dollar company after you, you'd you been working retail before and taking yeah. lessons from that. Yeah. How were you, I guess, like up-leveling as a, you know, your business skills as you were doing that, but also like that mindset around being somebody who felt comfortable leading a business of that size? Is it yeah. just something you you learn on the job and it's slowly growing and off you go, you feel yeah. comfortable? Or is there something more like concrete there? No, no. Like we were, it was like comical when we became really successful and we would be having these big meetings with these big agencies and, you know, we were looking at partnering up with Saatchi and Saatchi and mm-hmm. we, I was in their New York office and in a boardroom with like 10 people that were like, at me and I'm like I'm that at you like I'm that at being here like you never feel I feel like if we ever felt like we'd arrived and that we were meant to be there then it would have lost its gloss like it was like that was the beauty of it and I think that's the appeal of 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 when you kind of think of triangle because it's these two people going like what are we doing here like how did we get because it was we just neither of us had studied and, and you know, Craig had experience in business and fashion before by having a business that he'd gone bankrupt with, you know, and I had had nothing. So, you know, we never felt like we'd arrived or that we were meant to be here or, you know, at all. And and it was a lot of almost, I think, even for me in a, in a slightly more negative way, it was a lot of imposter syndrome because mm. I didn't have that 
worth in myself. So I was like just waiting to be caught out. And I felt very uncomfortable often sitting at those tables and in those boardrooms and having these discussions with big, because, you know, people wanted to buy Triangle all the time. Like we, like private equity were just at us, like big, big companies being like, can we get in? Can we get in? Can we buy in? Can we buy in? And so we would have these meetings and just sit there and they would just be gobsmacked at what we did basically it just being Craig and I. They're like, so what's your team? And we're like, well, it's it's Craig and it's me. And we had a designer, Chantelle, who was with us. And we had a little supply chain in Hong Kong, but like we didn't have any, you know, marketing, social media, PR, like no, like, you know, no big infrastructure at all. And in fact, that became a deterrent for a lot of them because they're like, we're going to have to do a lot here (laughs) because it was all here. Craig and I just had everything up here, you know, Every system, every process, everything was like if someone didn't know what to do in terms of anyone in like our team at all, it would be like I'd have to call them, like us to ask because it was all stored here. So how do you get over that like imposter syndrome then? I think that um, for a lot of businesses they kind of I – do, I do think that as I'm watching and I see a lot of businesses grow as like the founder themselves is yes. like unlocking like the next level mm-hmm. within themselves. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like Triangle was just a runaway train. Like that was happening and you had to up-level with it. Yeah, yeah. So like if I had my time again and what I do suggest for anyone that's a founder to do is to do that self-development work separately to the business. So like actually work on yourself, like see a therapist, do spiritual work, do some inner trauma healing, whatever it is. It sounds woo-woo but it's a thing. It's so important because I didn't do it before Triangle and then we just had this experience that I would have had no time to do do any self-development yeah. work at all. Like I had to pick one or the other because we were just that busy. And so I put my entire identity and purpose into Triangle, which really destroyed me as a person, mm. but was important to the success of the business. So I'm happy, I'm happy it all happened. It also gave me a lot of learnings to be where I am now where – like if you are a founder, because it's so lonely being a founder, it's so isolating. You feel every day like every issue is going to be the thing that kills your business. <laughs> so you're like, oh, well, today's the day it ends. Like, you know, today's the day my business is over. If you had that level of like calmness and understanding that, you know, not only to know that that's actually not the reality, but to also know that if it did mean it was the end of your business and that's actually okay too, you know, mm. that level of inner, like it's like, you know, just inner knowing or or any self-development work, that is like you have to do that if you have a business. Like you have to start to do that work on yourself. It's so, so important. So you ended up leaving the business yeah. in 2018. Yeah. And so you're just talking then about your identity yeah. and purpose and all that being wrapped up in it. I have found, you know, this isn't about me, but I found myself, I had a beauty business and it didn't work and I closed yeah. it and I found closing that business and leaving it. And obviously like very different circumstances to you. You had a huge win. But I found that identity shift honestly like more distressing than I found having a baby. Oh, yeah. That was way more of a shift for me than having a baby. How did you handle leaving the business and then like unraveling yourself from that sense of self? Oh, it took a really long time and it was the worst. Like I really struggled during Triangle's successful years because of that imposter syndrome. You know, everyone thinking I had this dream life, but I had my like a lot of mental health issues, which you know what? Everyone has their own Mm. mental health issues. I just had this unique experience where because everything looked like it was perfect from the outside, I had such shame that I wasn't feeling great. So I had that through the whole triangle experience. And then I naively thought that leaving triangle would heal that. 
because I was like, well, now I can just, ha, huh, and, you know, and I left Triangle and it was the worst feeling ever. And I had a mm-hmm. whole year of, I exited and I stayed in Monaco because that's where we were living at the time. And Craig and I had separated romantically sort of a few months prior to exiting the business as well. Obviously that was the catalyst for it. Mm-hmm. And um, that was all fine and amicable, but it was like as soon as I left Triangle, I remember so clearly when I finally said I wanted out and I just want to cut ties and I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I was like like thinking I was going to feel so free and I was like this is the moment where I'm going to feel like myself again. Yes. And I was like, oh, I feel really bad still and got worse, you know, because I'd, I'd lost everything that I'd thought was my identity and I was also very reluctant to let go of Triangle, especially when I moved back to Australia a year after that. And in Australia, everyone was like, yeah, like, oh, you're so like, oh, Triangle. It's like, and I, my ego was like, hang on to this. You have to hang on to this because if you don't have this, you are not, you're going to be nothing. And, and people are going to be like, like who, like, what are you, like, you're, you're just back here. You're no one. And so all, I had so much just inner shame and all this just chaos in my mind of no identity. You know, I had two children, I was like, maybe I'm just a mom, maybe I'm just going to be a mother and like I'm so ambitious that I knew that wasn't for me anyway. And it was just I didn't know what to do. And everyone's like, start, like, you know, like start a new business, like write a book, start a podcast, like all these things. And I was like, I don't, I just want to like, like start my own engine to be me again. Like I just had no, nothing. It was really, it was such a terrible, terrible time. It was just like a numb, it's hard to even put into words. It was just like a really numb yeah. I've been following you on Instagram for a while and I've noticed in the last, I don't even know how long, I'm in such a, time means nothing. Yeah, maybe, no, it's like maybe a total construct. Yeah. But you've definitely, like something's shifted yeah. and you've stepped into, I feel like a sense of, a sense of self as somebody who built something amazing and you're moving into a new kind of phase of life. You're yes. showing up much more like publicly. Yes. You've launched a podcast, you're writing a book. Yeah. What shifted and how did you get mm. there? Yeah, like it, it was kind of like a like a lot of things. Like I feel, I mean, I did a lot of self-development work. And so what happened when I did that as well is that I did that pretty much as soon as I got back to Australia and I launched into this big healing journey. But what I did during that process was I was so desperate to get back to my real self that I aban- I was trying to abandon Triangle Erin. Yeah. And so the, I kind of did that for a really long time and I was like so dismissive and I just want to leave that chapter behind and that's another life and I refer to it as my past life even, which is fine. But what I realised recently in the last six months to a year is that that's actually, I am still that, I am all those things. Mm-hmm. And once I realised that, you know, what we did was incredible and amazing and special and like I have to honour that and own that because that actually was me, I've been able to, you know, find my old self again but just work that into who I am now, like my news, and like kind of just be like, oh, this is just me now and it's all of those things. It's like Erin pre-triangle that was this and then Erin during triangle which was this and now Erin post-triangle which is this and it's like honouring all those stages of my life which I think I'd spent a really long time when I moved back to Australia trying to shut that part of my life out because there was so much hurt in there that I wanted to kind of you know so much just like frustration and 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 you know it was an incredible experience that when you don't do or when I didn't do any self-development work I just couldn't step into those incredible experiences for what they were 
And so I kind of tried to shut that out because I felt so guilty about that. Whereas now I'm like, I'm actually remembering. And it's funny because we had a lot of Craig and I, like our journey was spent here in New York. Um, we used to always think we wanted to move here. And we've tried to set triangle up here. I'll and move here. So like, be, yeah. So like <laughs> being here, this trip has been really special to remember things with Craig and with Triangle that I've never allowed myself to remember in a good way. Like, oh my God, I remember sitting here and I remember this and I remember that. And that was that part of Triangle. And so those are the moments that I'm, and through writing that book, which everyone said, writing a book will be a very healing experience. And I was like, okay. And I've just been like, wow, it really is. It is cathartic. Oh my God. Like I've cried so many tears wow. remembering just like happy tears and sad tears and just like, this is crazy stuff, you know? And so I really, I'm like in the best place I've ever been in now because I am really owning that part of triangle and like my relationship with Craig and all of those bits. Whereas I was just trying to shut that part of my life off. You talk about personal development work. Is there something specifically that you're doing therapy? Is there a mindfulness practice? Is there a type of meditation? Yeah. For people who are kind of embarking on this, what yeah. should they be Googling. Right yeah. Now. So I'm really like, I went a lot into spirituality. So I do kinesiology, which is basically my therapy. Okay. Um, it's very, it is very woo woo and spiritual, but it is very much like a therapy session because you do sit and have a back and forth with your practitioner, your kinesiologist. And it's kind of a, for me, it's the perfect blend of that woo woo and practical, pragmatic advice from a therapist that you would get just more with that greater, higher understanding. Um, a ther I've seen therapists in the past. I just feel like if I, I just feel like I don't want to see too many people because then I spend my whole week just being like, and then I have this and then I have this and then I have this. <laughs> so I do that. Um, I exercise every day. Um, I'm in my active wear today because I'm going to the gym after Love this. That I know. I, that's a really big mental health one. Um, and that's a big, it's like just doing things consistently and showing up for yourself with the things that feel really good for you. And they're the things for me that work. They might not be for everyone, but it's taken me a long time to realize what those things are. For me. Um, and yeah, and just like, you know, I, one of the things that I've, I do a lot when, and someone was asking me about like what your self-care practices are and I don't meditate. I should, I know everyone should, but I don't. Um, but I talk to myself a lot and it's like internally and externally, usually when I'm in private. Mm. And I really find that that is very soothing for me because we often like, if we're like often, and usually it's external. So I usually try and do it in, in private. But I do find that when I do that a lot. Weirder things happen on the subway. Yeah, yeah I know. You know what? Maybe I, you can talk to yourself I can you want. do it here. I put yeah. my big headphones on and people think I'm yeah. having a conversation. Yeah. I'm not like having full conversations <laughs> with myself, but it works for me in the sense of like I'm releasing different things. And I find that I just do it more and more. And it's very soothing for me to have those kinds of conversations with myself and let things out, like release things. So it's something that I've been doing I a lot that. lately that feels really good but I also I don't talk negatively about myself anymore and that is a that is something that just happened indirectly through a lot of those self-development practices mainly kinesiology that really indirectly solved a lot of problems that I had in my life it's like an intentional thing that you have to set out to do to yeah just, you don't even know that you're talking to yourself badly unless you you really have to catch yourself you really do yeah yeah and, and it's like I still do it like and I'm you know as as time went on through that start of the journey to now, 
I was able to pick up on the negativity at different places. Like, whereas now I can feel when I'm even about to think to have a negative thought and there are negative thoughts, but like a really toxic one about myself. And I'll be like, no, no, I know that feeling. We're not going there. Whereas I used to think about it afterwards and be like, that's not, don't think like that about yourself, you know? So it's like, that's been a process that shifted through that self-development work because that's the kind of work that is going to make you feel the most aligned with yourself. And there's no way to talk about it without sounding really woo-woo because it's that practice that's, that's, I mean, that's why we think toxic thoughts is because we're not aligned with who we really are. So the toxic thoughts are coming through because you're letting them because mm. you don't have that that foundational sense of self. Um, but, you know, I used, to ha- I used to hate kinesiology at the start. I used to dread going. And that's, I think, why a lot of people start those processes and then don't continue them because you think that you're going to go into a healing journey often or spiritual work healing and it's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, and you go in and you're like, Bing, straight yeah. down and you're like, oh, don't I used to like cancel appointments and not want to go because it's tough work. But like anything, it's like the consistency is what gets you through it. The last thing that we ask everyone who comes on the show is just for a resource recommendation. So sometimes it's a book, it's a podcast, it's a habit that you have, just something that you think other people who want to go where you've been should check out. Yeah, look, I mean, it's really hard for me to not pitch the self-development work. And I just think that that's, you know, it doesn't have to be spirituality, but there's nothing more scary and isolating and frustrating being a founder than feeling like you have to handle it all on your own Mm because you don't. So whatever that means for you, whether it is therapy, whether it is, whether, you know, maybe you have a therapist and you're still feeling really stuck, that might mean that you need to do something more spiritual, whether you're doing something spiritual and you still feel like maybe you need a therapist, you know, like it's doing that. It's going, it's, it's going, I don't actually have to be this stressed on my own. Like this is the thing about being a founder. Yes, it's it's there are moments that are uncomfortable and that are like, you know, impactful sometimes in a negative way. And I'm avoiding the, the word stressful because there are things that are stressful, but you shouldn't actually feel stressed or anxious or overwhelmed when you have a business. You should be doing that core foundational self-development work so that when things happen that are stressful, you can hustle mm. to get through it, but you shouldn't be feeling stressed. If you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed in your business, that is your sign to go and get some self-development help because you you deserve to actually be enjoying the experience even in that really tough, shitty time. And so if you're not, then you need to actually seek out why and get that help. Mic drop. That's such a good way to end the show. Erin, <laughs> thank you so much for chatting with me. Thanks, Jasmine. Thank you so much. Quick shout out to all of our business bestie subscribers. If you are loving this show and you are building a consumer, CPG or e-commerce business, or you're about to build one, this membership will give you access to the people, experiences and the tools that you really need to build your dream business. Head to femalefounderworld.com forward slash subscriber for more.